Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hi, do you enjoy diving into true crime and tales of the paranormal? Then join us. I'm Anna. And I'm Lindsay. On our podcast, Ghosts in the Attic, Bodies in the Basement. A Fearscape Media Network podcast. New episodes air every other Friday on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Gentlemen, to another exciting adventure in Fearscape Paranormal. Uh, I am your host, Stephen Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the man that history will not forget, my co-host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you today, sir? I am doing fantastic. You know, I was just talking to my kids the other day about, you know, um, being remembered after you know what what will your legacy be right mm-hmm. on, on the world and your life you know who I, will you I'm, affect you dead poet society me hit it <laughs> so um and 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 Kristen, my wife was like well you know papa that's what they call me papa will always be remembered because he has a podcast he has a youtube show and so and then and he has know, a loud best friend <laughs> yeah i have a loud best friend <laughs> right exactly josh rutledge take him <laughs> take him Right. As you push me ahead. So, exactly. I mean, so, yeah, you know, just, uh, yeah, history won't forget us because uh, people are listening and we're going to be forever locked, you know, unless, of course, there's some sort of a giant solar flare and all electronics are lost. Then, you know, unless we print our our podcast episodes in a book or something. So working on that. I'm working on that. Uh, but speaking <laughs> of loud, yeah. we have a really cool episode joining us again is one of our dear friends ufologist author occultist badass mofo alan greenfield is back on the show josh he is going to be talking to us we are talking to him and we are going to all three of us be talking about the anunnaki or the anunnaki or the anunnaki or the anukukuku or in all actuality probably has some other pronunciation that we're completely wrong i know it's probably like the okay (laughs) <laughs> yes. excuse me yeah <laughs> a little something in my throat so. <laughs> so, yeah. it's actually klingon but no, it was a great it was a you know, great conversation with alan on this topic and uh i think yeah, y'all were 
can really enjoy it. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have Alan on. Um, you know, he's always like, I'm sorry, guys, if you guys got to reel me in. And we're always like, sorry, you got to reel us in, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, but I, I'll tell you what. I just loved hearing the both of you guys talk. I, I think this is the least talking I've done in a long time because it was just so fascinated. I love talking about the Anunnaki and Sumerian legend and lore and things like that. But I love just hearing you and Alan going back and forth on that research. Just, uh, it's fascinating. I love me some Alan Greenfield and I love me some Josh Rillage. So uh, you guys are in for a, a special treat tonight. Um, just a quick reminder, uh, we are still soliciting as we do knocking on your door like a Jehovah's Witness asking for funds. Um, but these are funds with a big F-U-N in the beginning, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big fun. They're um, fantastic. They are fantastic. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Fearscape. I think that's all it is. <laughs> that's that's all it is. Correct. Yeah, that's all it is. Uh, there you can do a one-time donation. We're getting ready to go in uh, July. We're going to be going to the MUFON uh, UFO symposium in yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Or Nevada, whatever. Or Nevada. Um, so <laughs> we're going to be doing that. Uh, so we're going to be spending some money to get there. We're going to be trying to cover that as best as possible and hopefully hooking up with some old friends like Kathleen Martin, who's going to be yep. teaching there and uh, some other. Yeah, so, some new friends. Some new friends as well. Um, so we're going to be doing that. So, But that's one way that you can help us uh, kind of do that as well as help out the show. The other way is by joining our Patreon, uh, which is, of course, Patreon com slash fearscape pod or just fearscape podcast.com slash support those are some really great ways to help yep. two brothers out or buy something from the store we just okay. added and are continuing to add a bunch of awesome like i put up probably about uh, 20 or 30 different uh, sasquatch related designs just last week alone so yep. there's just all kinds of stuff out there uh for you to get and you know some of the things that uh you know are our types of designs that we've uploaded and other things that are just things that we found cool on the t on the t public site yeah, we are added always, up to our store yeah so. we are actively creating designs finding designs adding designs just stuff that we find awesome and hilarious uh that you could theme. you could say it's a curated collection oh yes you might it's also salted and smoked <laughs> oh that's cured sorry never it's mind cured. Yeah. sorry never mind uh but yeah go ahead and so again that's fearscapepodcast.com slash store uh there uh you can also check out the fearscape media network other shows there's some swag on there yeah. Uh, for the other shows, if you're a big Mysteries of the Dark fan or uh, Ghost in the Attic, Bodies in the Basement fan, uh, which, of course, I know it's past now. But another happy birthday to Anna. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. Um, so excited. And congratulations to Lindsay on her um, adoption of her little girl. So I'm really excited yep. about that as well. We awesome. love the Gab girls. And uh, excuse me, the Gab women. Right. Uh, but Gab Girls is just, I like alliteration, so I go with that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, make sure to check them out. Um, but let's get cracking, Josh, man. I'm yeah. ready to rock and roll because we got some funsies before we get to Alan Greenfieldsies. Um, so our first uh, segment of the week, of course, is Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary Psychic Word of the Week. And now, the Psychic Word of the week. All right. So again, this comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from Junji Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. Uh, so this week I flipped, flippity, flip, flipped 
to uh, page 532. And the um, first uh, thing that I see here is uh, religious king of the dead. Religious king of the dead. Not my high school nickname. Um, I know some people thought that, but that's not what it was. Uh, It's from Tibet, uh, and it's a simple one. It simply means an etheric world god depicted holding a mirror to reflect the soul mind as seen in the Wheel of Life mandala. Not Mandela. Not Mandela. But Mandala. <laughs> I know some of you are like, no, when I I remember when it was Mandala. <laughs> you know, uh kind of thinking about that, I know we're not doing a Mandala effect tonight, and I don't this kind of kind of is fitting into the Mandela. psychic word. Sorry, whatever. The psychic <laughs> word there is um uh, I was recently watching a couple of different videos by our good friend Bashar. Oh, uh, man. Hey, we have not talked about Bashar in a long time. And boy, if you're new to the show and you haven't gone back and listened to our entire archive like good fans do. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, we have not done an episode on Bashar, but we have definitely talked about Bashar. Bashar is an alien that uh, is channeled through a guy. What's his name? Do you know? Uh, off of Ian or? No, no. It's like John jacob jingleheimer schmidt or something i don't know dingo or something i don't know but But, i love bashar like just b-a-s-h-a-r just google bashar and have some fun if you have gaia there's actually like a really cool little documentary about like how this guy got started and how he started to be a channel and how he got connected to bashar and all that kind of stuff but anyways basically this guy gets up on stage he he channels and then channels Bizarre, you know, to talk about mm-hmm. whatever and, and answer questions. So um, it, the, the way this was related to tonight's word, though, and, and something else that we were talking about is I recently watched a, an, it was an older clip, but it was about a woman asked him, um, uh, what about uh, time travel? Mm-hmm. And and he said in his response uh, that uh, every time that you um, you make a decision or you change your viewpoint or you change your um, stance on something, that your soul shifts to a different dimension, a different yeah, earth, yeah, a I've different heard, timeline. I've heard something similar to that. On uh, been listening to a ton of old Art Bell coast to coast. Yeah. And one of the guys he had on in there, they were talking about time travel, and somebody had mentioned a similar theory to that, a little bit different. But yeah, that's that's crazy so like, synchronicity there. Like thousands of times a second, you know, you're thinking about something, your your soul is just kind of hopping around mm-hmm. these different Earth timelines or different Earths, even you know that you know in the multiverse or whatever, uh, multi dimension. So I just thought it was really interesting that you know the kind of that that soul mirror is is almost kind of along that line yeah. where. You know, you're shifting or you're looking uh, at yourself differently. So, yeah, it's interesting. Bashar is great. The reason we laugh when we talk about him, he's he's great content. But the voice that this man has when he's Bashar is the best. He's like, I am Bashar and welcome to WCHQ. I mean, (laughs) he's. He's, he's complete. He's completely different when oh, he's channeling. I Bashar. mean, his mannerisms, his facial, yeah. and it's so funny to hear it at first. But then you start listening to what Bashar has to say, and you're like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and he's funny. Like Bashar is like funny. Like he's just. I don't know. I really like Bashar. Uh, it's it's just it's fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you know that might be a future episode. Is just you know what are the top ten things that 
Bashar has said. Bashar so. quotes. Oh, I'm yeah. totally in for that. We should do that on TikTok, which we should be having <laughs> one sooner or later down yeah. the road. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, the interesting thing about this word of the week is is being from Tibet. The interesting thing about Tibet is Buddhism at its root is an atheistic religion. And Tibetan Buddhism is, is this weird like that it still honors the old tibetan gods while still being an atheistic religion it's it's something i mm. practice it's really really <laughs> interesting um and it's really hard to explain um and i'm not going to because i'm not the dalai lama but yeah. it's it's just it's really cool so it's really interesting but anyways let's get moving on uh because i got somebody here and i was ready to get talking because we are going to hit up cryptid of the week It's a Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the Week. Hello, everybody. My God, have I been on a whirlwind journey? I have seen the light. Yes, I have stepped outside the doorway, and it was daytime, Josh, and I saw the I saw the sunshine today just like I did yesterday. Well, that's uh, that's something special, JD. Well, I'm excited because you informed me via electronic mail that you were going to be covering a cryptid, another one from New Jersey. And I know two, one I hate and one I love. And so, oh, I hope it's the one that I love. So who who are you going to be covering this week, Josh? Mantis Man. Oh, that's my arch nemesis. Damn it. Oh, I hate Mantis Man. Let me just tell you right away. He thinks that he like, oh, my God. He thinks that he was on He-Man. He was not a bad guy on He-Man. He was not. And then he went through his phase where he thought he's a superhero because that show in the 80s called Mantis. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Bull honky. He did not. He was not even anything like that. I'm just going, I'm going to sit over here for a second and stew these vegetables in my brain. And I'm going to hand this back to Stefan while you guys cover this dookie, 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 dookie face. Well, I haven't seen that kind of language or heard that kind of language except for my seven-year-old. So, you know. Well, I mean, he's about the size of them. You shut up. I have a height deficiency. You know, he's the height his, deficiency. His, his, he's wider than he is taller, you know, because his, wing, <laughs> his wingspan. Like a, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got Mantis Man. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know which one it was going to be. Uh, he wouldn't let me tell him. He said he, he wanted you to tell him. So, so yeah, um, it, it resembles a praying mantis. Uh, it's the name Mantis Man. Um, praying is why I already have an issue. I am a devil and he wants to pray all the time not saying that you can't believe what you want josh it's just an antithesizer of what i am at my core it's like just opposite like it's the opposite day you know like advertising when you do something the exact opposite that's what he does on purpose you know did you know that he used to be a non-praying mantis i didn't know that Mm -hmm. look it up on wikipedia i will uh, crypt, cryptopedia. So. <laughs> Cryptopedia. Um, so anyways. I thought he was um, doing his vegetables, but apparently. Yeah. So uh, so the odd thing about the two sightings uh, that are that have been had, uh, both men uh, were out fishing and saw it near a body of water. 
Um, praying mantis don't usually spend their times in water. They usually yeah, spend their times saying. on leaves and stuff. So Leaves and ex-lovers. Yeah. Oh, well, until they get their heads eaten. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so mantis, you know, may be able to swim in shallow water. Uh, you, know, you know, it's huge size. Maybe it could do so. Touch the bottom of the river and walk. I don't know. Um, but the the, uh, the sightings uh, says, unlike the two... Uh, apparently it was on uh, Monsters and Mysteries in America weird I've recently been talk about weird synchronicities dude because I've been recently and, watching that show you know and, and this being the episode with, with Greenfield you know the kind of the king of synchronicity if you mm-hmm. will so um, but uh, it says here that the police report tells that another person Mr. Strickler uh, saw the is Mantis this Lon Strickler <laughs> I don't know I think I it might be Lon it might be the Mothman. So, um, so is it? Is this is in quotes? It says, "I saw something strange a few weeks ago on the Mkong River near my home here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. I was driving home from the drugstore on Newburgh Road. As I drove near the bridge over the river, I noticed to my left something I thought was a fisherman standing in the river, just off the south bank. I slowed the car and looked closer. It wasn't a person." And it was transparent-like with a weird shape. It moved slowly towards the bank and into the trees. I drove further so I could see it coming out of the trees. That's the last I saw of it. It was tall, eight foot or so, had long, thin arms hanging off of it. The color was a pale brown, but I could see through it. The head was small compared to the body. It was sunny that day, so I thought it may be glare from the water, but after I thought back, I realized I wasn't seeing a mirage or glare. I checked the internet and didn't see anything about it. I mentioned it to a co-worker in my office at lunch on Wednesday. He gave me the strangest look. I thought, uh-oh, he thinks I'm nuts. We went back to his computer, and he brought up the Hackettstown forum with the Mantis Man witness. So he mentions it to his co-worker, who happens to also be... Uh, the other went the other witness to the mantis man. Mm, that's that's convenient. Uh, yeah, or lucky. Um, I, yeah, I still think it's Lon Strickler. I'm just saying. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so I'd like to draw maybe a correlation here mm-hmm. uh, to um, the amount of uh, mantis-like extraterrestrial sightings that happen from people. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about. You know, being a bunch of different ETs, if you will, in a sighting, like they see maybe a small grave, but then when they go to the lab, they see other types of ETs. And there's oftentimes a, a depiction or a resemblance of some sort of a, a insect or praying mantis type entity there. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Uh, and uh, BT dubs, I just looked it up. The Mr. Strickler is indeed. Lon Strickler. Uh, I just looked it up. It says here, the very first report, much about what we know about the Mantis Man comes from the reports of sightings sent to Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, so he was uh, the first person to report on this. Oh, wow. um, so very, very interesting. Uh, man, I'm kind of like, oh, I wish we would have known this when we had him on. We could have totally really. done Mantis Man back then. It doesn't matter. It's all bull hockey and Lon Strickler is a liar. Oh, hey, Lon is a friend of ours, okay? If there's something New Jersey knows about, it's hockey. (laughs) This is true. 
but this I've never seen true. bulls playing hockey. So, mm mm mm. I have seen some kings play hockey. Yeah, Bruins. I've seen. Bruins. Them play. I have red. I've seen red wings. I've seen a. I've seen a house fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lon, if you're listening out there, man, shoot us a line. I'd love to chat with you more about the uh, the mantis man. Um, very very cool. But yeah, if you guys haven't watched Monsters and Mysteries in America, it's a great show on Travel Channel. Uh, lots of fun stuff on there. This episode that this was on also talks about the Spotsville monster that we covered a long time ago in Kentucky. Uh, th- that's in that episode as well. Mm. So it's very interesting. Like I watched that part, but didn't finish. So I had no idea. Manus man was on wow. there. I was like, Oh, Kentucky. I'm watching this. <laughs> so, very, very cool. Uh, JD, are you okay? Yes. I just wanted to take a moment and I just wanted to apologize to Josh. And I just wanted to say it's not your fault that you were given false advertisement of a real life cool ass cryptid like me. Well, we all can't be winners. No, we can't. And Mantis Man is a loser. And I'm just going to put it out there. Hashtag Mantis Man, loser man. So if y'all want to support me in any post where you share this episode, you put hashtag Manus Man, hashtag Loser Man, and then I'll know you love me. I'm going to go to bed. Okay. Okay. Good night. Does he Thank sleep you. in a cat bed? No, he actually sleeps under the bed in a drawer, like uh, one of those um, fabric drawer thingies that you can put yeah. underneath your bed. Yeah, I open it up for him every night and I slide him back in. His oh. wings kind of stick out on the edge. So, yeah, so. a little, little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but he does that as like a little platform for my cat to sleep. So he oh, okay. is kind of a cat bed. So I gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and move on uh, real quickly. Let's go ahead and get to our next segment, which is uh, Spooky News. Got a quick one here for you. All right, we got some spooky news action here for you tonight, Josh. This one, uh, when I first saw this and first read this, I thought this was something that we had covered a while back. Uh, do you remember that video that was making the rounds of what looked like a fairy or something in the uh, the ring camera um, that we had seen? and Or it looked like, I thought maybe it was like lights from a car or something like that. Yes, I remember that. Um, yeah because I had something similar show up on my ring camera and you and Santosh told me it was a moth. Exactly, that's what I'm saying, because I didn't buy that other one. I still don't. But this one, because remember, somebody said, oh, it was on the reflection on the inside. Somebody was doing a light or something yeah. like that. Anyways, this is not that at all, but that's what I thought it was because okay. the headline here on Coast to Coast AM, uh, which is where I found the best articles, most of them just showed the video. So this one actually had an article, but it says, uh, home security system triggered by ghost outside of California residents. Uh, and the YouTube video is on here. And if I remember, I will link this as well to the episode summary so that you guys can see the story. Um, but it says the home security system of a residence in California was seemingly triggered by an eerie dark cloud that passed across a driveway in the middle of the night. And some have wondered if the curious anomaly could have been a ghost. The peculiar moment occurred in the community of Modesto over the summer, although the motion activated camera footage only surfaced this past week when the brothers po- the homeowner's brother posted it online. He explained that a- prior to the incident, the dogs were barking all night long and that his sister kept looking outside to see what was up but saw nothing. A few hours later, she received a notification from his security system that it had picked up something puzzling outside. Now, in the video, uh, which captured at around 3 a.m. in the morning, 
surprise, uh, a curious mist-like form mysteriously wafts across the driveway. Now, it took me, so they slow it down and they show you and you're like, oh, because you don't know what you're looking for at first, but once you see it, it gave me chills. Uh, The spooky anomaly uh, appears to be fairly solid as it manages to obscure the truck behind it. After a few seconds, the undulating cloud eventually dissipates and ultimately vanishes from view. It appears that the weird visitor, whatever it may have been, was responsible for triggering the motion sensing camera as there is nothing else in the scene which could account for why it would suddenly come to life. Uh, The brother also uh, insists that this happened on a clear night. You know, of course, skeptical viewers uh, say that the spirit was probably something prosaic, like a video artifact created by the camera or or a hoax of some sort. But no, I mean, this looks legit, but it fits more along the lines of, I mean, it looks like something cloaked, like the Predator to me. That's, it looks more like that. Something in a cloaking device, which goes back to your old theory about ghosts just being, you know, some ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, being UTs in 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 uh, camouflage, you know, or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. Like I said, I'm going to post it uh, on uh, our page here, but you can also find it. I said again on the Coast to Coast AM. Just look up uh, "Ghost Outside California Residence" or "Ghostly Mist Captured on Home CCTV," Modesto, whatever. Um, but it's really interesting footage. Um, he they do slow it down so you can get a better view, uh, and then you'll see it. But it's really really cool. Hmm. Really really cool. Speaking of ghosts, Josh, let's go ahead and get to. I actually have some damn creepy ketchup. Oh, oh, nice. I it, I swear I do. And so yeah, let's jump into that real quick before we get to Alan Greenfield. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Y'all, it's creepy. All right. Oh, I missed that theme song so much. Suck it, Brad. Um, but yeah, so uh so man, dude. It's been a little bit for you. Yeah, so last weekend, uh my wife and I had a little bit of a a, a baby moon. Uh, we just stayed here in town. Uh, but we went to a hotel in town, actually over in Scottsdale, where it's nicer, uh, next to a Frisbee golf course. And um, it's an older hotel, but it's called the Three Palms. Um, we really enjoyed our stay. And uh, we got uh, a room with a jacuzzi tub in it, which, awesome. I Man, we both wanted a bath, and, you know, it was great. So uh, she took her bath. I'm on the computer. Get done. It's my time for the bath. I got the thing filled up. I'm laying I'm chilling. I just got some music on, I'm jamming, and I feel this hand on my shoulder. And I thought it was Sarah just putting her hand on me, you know, cause my bed, so the bed is right next to the tub. So they're right next to each other. So okay. the back of my head is against the side of the bed, essentially. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me, there's a small gap, but enough that if you're laying on that side of the bed, you can reach over and squeeze a boob or touch a shoulder. Yeah, whatever. yeah, I mean, right. Women touch shoulders. Dude, squeeze boobs. That's what we do, even our own. Uh, but anyways, so uh, just grabbed my shoulder. And so I was like, oh, we're on our baby moon. And I reached up and I go to put my hand on the shoulder and there's nothing there. But I could still feel the other hand on my shoulder. Mm. And I was like, well, that's weird. And I turn around and look, Sarah's completely on the other side of the bed. Gone. Kenobi's in front of her. Um, so... There's no way Sarah rolled over real quick, like to do it as a joke, because she would have had to yeah. roll over Kenobi, whose ass would have been up. 
Well, we were and both she's, she's pregnant. Like there's yeah, no and quick she's roll. Yeah, there's no quick roll. So I was like, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so that happened, but I was like, hello, am I in your tub? <laughs> um, so the second one again was at the hotel that same night. Um, I went out and I was walking Kenobi. I was also going to the vending machine to get some snacks. And um, you had to walk down this long, this is a out, one of those outdoor hotels. So it's like, there's no indoor areas, right? It's just yeah. doors out to the outside. So anyways, right. I'm walking, but there is uh, separations between the buildings to go through. And that's how you get to the pool or to the yep. vending machine. Yep. I'm getting ready to turn left uh, from the uh, outside area into the middle area. And I hear running footsteps and someone come saying, watch out. Um, and I'm like, man, is someone like running from the cops or something like that? Like Kenobi like freaks out. He kind of jumped too. So I know it wasn't just me. And I kind of peek around the corner. Ain't nobody there. But I could hear the footsteps, Josh, run past me. And mm. I know this because I watched Kenobi watch the footsteps go. Mm. As he's like, where is it? Hmm. That's wild. Man, it got me good. I'm just going to let you know, I did not get snacks. Because I well, turned right around, went back to the room. <laughs> that's what you like. It's stuff like that that makes me want to always stay at older hotels whenever mm-hmm. we go anywhere. But you sometimes sacrifice a little bit on quality when you stay at older yeah. hotels. Yeah. So, but yeah, dude, it gave me chills, especially because I haven't had anything happen in quite some time. Um, and then you were just so relaxed that night. night. Yeah, I, I think so, though, because it's the first time we had a relaxing moment in yeah. a while. And I had just gotten off the phone with my really good friend, Elphias Green Jr., um, who I haven't talked to in a while. He lives in Chicago and has done since about the time we moved out here so i have not seen him at all and he called me up out the blue and so i was already relaxed me and sarah catching up with a really good friend you know like he's a comedian too so we're just yeah. laughing he's telling me about chicago and all the craziness there so yeah i was chilled out i had a bath like you know yeah Whew, good times good times i know that was you june g Bletzer, touching my shoulder <laughs> <laughs> all right anything and you said so nothing for you pretty dry week yeah, pretty dry week. I mean, I, the only thing that I and I don't even know that this is worth saying, but um, I got home from the store late one evening. Um, it was a pretty clear night, so I got up and I was like, just looked up at the stars, and I closed my eyes and I thought uh, it'd be nice if I could see a UFO. And I opened my eyes again, and up at the like apex of the sky, a light, kind of like slowly illuminated and then slowly you know went out and then it never did it again Mm. so you know i I know that there are satellites that you know that that tumble right and so as they're tumbling they'll you know they'll kind of light up you know they'll reflect the sun's light and light up and then but i would think that if if that was the case i would have seen it kind of further along its track do it again you know but maybe that you know maybe it was somewhere in like a weird tumble where it didn't do it again for like another 300 miles or something i don't know but yeah i don't know dude my eyes have been glued to the skies lately i just i feel like something's coming that i'm gonna be seeing soon like i can't i can't stop looking so uh, i got a feeling that something's yeah be on the lookout because i I know we're getting together soon we're road tripping across america for three days and so maybe we'll see something together there i don't know yeah i mean i I, uh, you know, I've got my ring camera um, at my uh, my house out in Arizona to keep an eye on things. 
and every morning when I get up, I go back and review the <laughs> review the footage <laughs> from the previous night to see if I catch anything. Let me tell you what this man did to me. I go to his house and I keep an eye on it. I go, I cut some oranges down out the tree. I use it to do my TikTok videos because uh, it's an empty house. It's got great acoustics, so I sing. Uh, but I forgot he had a camera set up, and I'm out there and I'm checking out the pool because I'm like, it's starting to get a little warmer here. But I know that pool was cold. But I was like, I'm gonna check it. And it was ice cold, and I get this. Bzzz, how did the pool feel? And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? And then I was like, oh. Okay. I, got you, Mr. Man. I was going to activate the microphone and talk to you. But <laughs> oh, you should have. I was so bored I was, picking the I was in the, man. I was in the store and I didn't want to like, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there orange picking, man. Um, but I will say I dropped them off at a homeless shelter this time because uh, awesome. there was quite a bit. I took some, of course, for myself because I got to tell you, Josh, there's some pretty good oranges, man. Um, but I took them to the homeless shelter. So that was really cool. Felt good cool. about that. Still, I left a couple on there for when we drive out here. So you can grab one or two so you can have one. Cool. Um, but yeah, anyways. Yeah. So that, that was my week. Uh, creepy catch up. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad that you're weird. Yeah. No more. No more delay. Let's get let's get to Alan. We got to get to Alan, dude. We're talking and about the Anunnaki. on new Naki. Yes. Alan Greenfield. Hello, dear friends. I'm your head, Mr. Lord Stephen Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And together we are the misters, the misters of, of the... the... Oh, let's try it again. The misters, the misters of the, 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 the Lance! The misters of the dark! Don't shut up! Ugh, whatever. Join us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or go to mistersofthedark.com where we'll be discussing all things horror from films and books to everything in betweensies. We also have the occasional victim. <laughs> I mean, guest. <laughs> Only on the Fearscape Mania Network. <laughs> Shut up, Lance. I always get the last laugh. <laughs> I like reading the things. I used to read the things on the bus. I have them all memorized. Oh, yeah. We're going way out to save you one and a half percent at CNS Bank. <laughs> oh, I remember that a, one. That's, oh, that's a throwback. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I memorized these things when I was a kid in Augusta, Georgia. And, you know, you have wings that look like an Anunnaki. That's <laughs> very, very strange. It was, uh, yeah, you know, I, I grew them for the show. It, it did, and they, they move around. Uh, so if you guys haven't noticed, we've got Alan Greenfield here with us uh, back on Fair Escape Paranormal. We are talking tonight about the Anunnaki. Uh, Josh, uh, you do. The people can't see this at home because we're on audio, but, yeah, you have beautiful stone wings. Yeah. Well, they're very uh, they're very Slayer, I think. So, Like the band yeah, well, Slayer? Yeah. yeah, maybe. I oh, don't know. All right. Sure. It's, audio. it's kind of a, a punk thing. If you don't understand, you're not there. But I was there at the Metroplex, and they were stage diving the skinhead. So I hit one of them and left. 
Well, they dived <laughs> right they, on me. I, I, guess, I don't react they kindly. They could have been skin diving at the show, and that would have been really weird. Uh, they they yeah. hung out across the street at their Nazi headquarters, and we went over there and leafleted them anyway, and it was a <laughs> really, really interesting thing. Yeah. This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, you will see this in English and Spanish, but not in Yiddish. <laughs> So you are screwed. We get cracking on the, uh, is it the Anunnaki or the Anunnaki? I, I don't know. Nobody knows. You see, yeah, that's, that's the, that's that's the, the point, deal. right? Yeah. I have two major points to drive home on this. Uh, and they're new. So hold on. You're in for a ride. Okay. You will see critics of Sitchin and others that amount to, well, he doesn't know what he's doing because the translations, meaning the traditional translations, uh, uh, are don't say what he says it says. And that's an old, old argument that I have. First of all, Sumer was forgotten for 2,000 years well up into the 20th century it didn't exist as far as uh, a seriologist or anybody that was doing that kind of research the mesopotamian culture went back to the assyrians and the babylonians and that was it mm -hmm. they didn't know about akkad and they certainly not freighter akkad this country akkad. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that was the uh th that was the ghetto the semitic quarter of the Sumerian Empire, but uh, which it eventually took over, as people often say. But uh, but Sumer was only discovered in the mid uh, 1930s by somebody who was looking for Babylon, <laughs> uh, which shows. So, uh, judging from the comparatively recent, that is, uh, 75, 80 years of. Uh, any kind of knowledge of Sumer, a lot of what you have as the quote orthodox translation is actually uh, very, very subject to debate. And when I say this is an old uh, argument where I'm concerned, well, way, way back when Eric von Daniken was just managing his hotel and had hit no chariots from the gods or anybody else. Uh, except maybe from his hotel to the airport. Um, I was uh, familiar with a couple of members of the Jim Mosley inner circle uh, that belonged to the Consultants Committee on Semitic Philology. That was Rabbi Yona Ibn Aaron and a friend of, uh, of Jim's and a polio victim and uh, John J. Robinson, who was a mover and shaker in a number of different fields. And they got out a, an interesting newsletter that they described what is now called ancient aliens. They did describe something that was, they call extraterrestrialism. Now, uh, your listeners will know that uh, I'm not a fan of the extraterrestrial hypothesis so-called yeah. but uh, but nevertheless I'm you know I don't count all evidence that uses the term ETH out and uh, I finally got uh, 
uh, Rabbi Ibn Aaron to explain to me what the basis for their uh, interpretation of the Hebrew scriptures, which was basically that the uh, God of the Bible, of the Hebrew scriptures, I should specify, was or is an extraterrestrial uh, who came here. And I said, well, that's very interesting. How do you do that? He said, well, I'm very fluent in Aramaic and Hebrew. And to prove it, he did. And I had just come back from my kibbutz experience at 16 in Israel. So I, you know, he knew his stuff. So I, he said, okay, look in Ezekiel chapter one. I'm not gonna get too deep in the weeds here, but I said, okay, how is the word ruach used? Well, ruach is a very interesting term. Uh, it can mean wind. Uh, it can, I mean, according to, you know, uh, various interpretations, it can mean soul and it can mean, uh, well, it has a, multiple meanings and it depends on context as many things in Hebrew do. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I said, well, it seems to mean in, in Ezekiel something to the effect of whatever it was he was seeing, whatever it was using in the way of uh, power to do all of the uh, wheel within a wheel, turn not as it went uh, maneuvers, that it was some kind of uh, force or fuel. He said, okay, turn back to Genesis 1.1. Well, we weren't, do we didn't actually have a, uh, there's only a King James Bible in the room, so we didn't want to <laughs> go there. And the word Ruach is used there as in the same way. And he said, if you do that with the entirety of the corpus of the Hebrew scriptures, you will find it's a very, very different story. Mm. And he had it all down. Now I've shown the, uh, the ones that I've preserved with the thought of, uh, you know, uh, this, this preceded any of the ancient alien bullshit. And, uh, I, uh, uh, wanted people to know that the translations that are considered orthodox and the people that are, are critical of Sitchin and others uh, really don't have any kind of special authority because if Sitchin is the Yona Ibn Aaron of the uh, Sumerian civilization, his reading has as good a interpretation uh, credibility as uh, you just turned into one of the Anunnaki. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Squirrel. I'm so, so sorry. That's okay. So there is that. Um, and I wanted to make that point because I think anytime you see one of these, I have uh, the names of, I'm giving names. I'm taking names and taking them down. Who were these people? Not Eusebius. Hold on. I have it here. I have it here on a piece of paper. Uh, no, I don't have it here on a piece of paper. Is it start with you? No, 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 no. Okay. It's just that these uh, people who uh, critique uh, oh. the Sitchin interpretation based on, uh, not on their own interpretation, but on the, the, the standard translations of uh, Sumerian texts, which are not very old. I mean, 
Yeah. You know, we're still working on linear A from the uh, from the Minoans, much yeah. much less. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, it's outrageous what they do. Look, I have pictures of them. It's proof, real proof. But you <laughs> can't there, see that there because are this people, is a radio. There are people on a piece of paper, y'all. <laughs> I, I have the, the paper right here from Mr. Hitler, and he assures me he will not invade Poland. <laughs> <laughs> right there, I see it. <laughs> it's in. It's in writing. Okay, now. So, so if I've established that there is doubt about people who were steeped in Babylonian and Assyrian culture much later, they had virtually forgotten the Sumerians, but they had uh, uh, borrowed uh, the, some of their uh, epics mm -hmm. um, in translation into Babylonian and Neo-Assyrian dialects, I guess. Um, but the first time anybody ever saw Sumerian uh, was 1930-something. So it's a long haul to say that uh, that these people who were looking kind of like uh, what used to be called biblical archaeology, which is people that would dig up yep. stuff. They would interpret it in terms of the Bible rather than letting it speak for itself from the material culture. And uh, sometimes it agrees with very old texts and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But the point is you don't prejudge based on, you know, if you go to look for Troy based on the Iliad, you may or may not find something of interest. <laughs> but if you, right. if you look for Troy just based on the notion that if there was a Troy, we'll find it, then you, you may get a more sensible uh, answer, which could be, a Troy never existed, and or B uh, Troy existed, or C Troy existed, but not quite in the way that Homer quote unquote uh, describes. Same thing with the the uh, Hebrew scriptures. They <clears throat> they may be very correct as in the original anyway, but <clears throat> I read Hebrew well enough that I can say categorically that uh, I believe it was Robert Graves that said, translation, all translation is a lie. He said, a good translation is a polite lie, but it's still a lie. <laughs> um, ancient Hebrew is written without any vowels. And if you take the word to mean something uh, slightly different in its uh, in the way it's pronounced, uh, it's going to uh, be interpreted entirely differently. Uh, the word for angel, uh, which in Greek was angelos or something. I don't speak Greek, let alone ancient Greek. Uh, <clears throat> well, why but, not? Uh, <laughs> B because I'm old and set in my ways. <laughs> and But that's not important right now. What is important is that you could have an entirely different reading. And the proof of that is how many different translations, so-called, of uh, biblical literature, Old and New Testament, Hebrew scriptures and mm -hmm. uh, Christian scripture, which is, you know, originally in Greek, presumably, maybe in Aramaic, uh, but there's no trace of an Aramaic uh, 
original. So if there was one, it's gone, gone and forgotten. But, um, <clears throat> and that is likely, by the way, um, how do you imagine that Jesus being a Jew talking almost exclusively to Jews, according to the uh, New Testament, um, was talking in Greek to them. Yeah. A, they probably knew a few phrases like, please don't kill me, Romans. And uh, where or, is you know, your bathroom? <laughs> 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 uh, in those days, it would have been Ephel Habet Shemush in Hebrew, which probably the Romans had these communal bathrooms that were pretty disgusting, really. Oh, like the troughs uh, at the baseball stadium. Yeah, you know, just, they just stare at each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could tell you a story about needing to go at, in the New York subway system that was riveted in my mind as Gene Steinberg stood by whistling. And it's just not, not one of my favorite memories of the Big oh. Apple. <laughs> well, let's, before we get too far into bathroom culture, um, I think it might be good to kind of bring our listeners who may not know who the Anunnaki or Anunnaki or some other pronunciation are. Um, and so I just thought it may be good to give a little backstory. So um, the uh, what I have found, and, you know, Alan, you may disagree with a lot of the information that I'm going to convey. I disagree. I totally disagree. I vehemently You don't know what you're talking about, but I do. Finally, someone has said it. <laughs> Thank you. I went out, Thank you very I went out much. and got 38 pages worth of research for this thing tonight. So, you know, we'll, we're not going to hit all of them. So, I didn't have to do any research. Oh, is that all black paper? I knew it all. I knew it all <laughs> just spontaneously and didn't actually bone, 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 bone up for this <laughs> at all really i i uh, promise you on uh, in jesus name amen <laughs> so you're probably so my, i have a feeling my very first sentence that i'm going to read you're going to disagree with so that what i have here is that the anunnaki means those of royal blood and they inhabited the earth during ancient sumerian time in mesopotamia no, I don't disagree with that. I think that's probably an accurate interpretation. But what does royal blood mean? I mean, you have something, I hate to call it more recent times, but it is uh, by a couple of thousand years. You have that uh, entire uh, range of theories about the Merovingians being of uh, uh, descent from King David and that they had that in their uh, markers and that you could find that mm -hmm. in the fleur de lis, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's something that I don't uh, subscribe to altogether. But the point is royal blood doesn't necessarily mean that they were uh, ordinary humans or that they were human at all. It means that right. they were the, were the uh, first of all, it does suggest that they were very special. That is, right they were something unto themselves because if they weren't then they would be commoners right and right. Uh, so they probably they would, they would have the uh, those of common blood instead right so right well or some of both yeah. but if it says those of royal blood either they were or it implies that they were uh 
a group unto themselves, very like all of the royal houses of Europe today, which uh, you look at pictures of the Tsar and his contemporary, uh, the last Tsar and his contemporaries in England and Germany, uh, they look very much like the same people because uh, you can only do inbreeding so much. Ask my friends in Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> so yeah, so I got here. Is now that- y'all don't, 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 don't take that too personal, okay? Y'all in Alabama, I'm, yeah. I like you. I whatever like the, you a lot. Whatever I those like guys on the band, whatever those guys on the band Alabama do with their own time is their own. Time. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> So yeah, so the uh, Sumerian civilization uh, was in the Persian Gulf and came to be somewhere around 2000 to 4000 BC. Uh, was what I found in my notes here. Um, 4000 to 2000. Yeah, I was gonna say 4000 yeah, to 2000. I went backwards. I know, I know. Well, it's it, times all together anyway. So. <laughs> Relatively speaking. Yeah. And you should meet my relatives. Oh, gosh, I need a theory. <laughs> Um, and uh, the Greeks named the region Mesopotamia, the land between two rivers, most of which lies in modern state of Iraq. Um, the first recorded civilization uh, of mankind, they were advanced with currency, astronomy, and, uh, and farming. Of course, this is the Sumerians that we're speaking of. Um, <clears throat> it is believed that they first came from the east, uh, but whether by sea or by highlands is unknown. Um, and they, it's believed that they're not a local people, that they migrated into the area and then set up residence in that area. Like They like spoke an Indo-European did. language as opposed to the Semitic languages that were everywhere else in that, in that area of the world. We um, found here that uh, the 5th millennium BC, a people known as the Ubadians, established settlements in the region later known as Sumer. It has been noticed out there that there are clear similarities between Ubaid artwork and that of old Europe, um, which which flourished between 6,000 and 3,500 BC. BCE. Before the common era. Yeah, uh, it matters. I, I, I uh, when I watch documentary programs, if they say AD and BC, I figure, well, you know, they're inured with the, uh, or enamored of the uh, Christian mythos. Yeah, Christian oh, mythos. Okay. So and BC. Somehow I don't think Christ. you are no. that enamored with the mythos. You know, in, Jesus wall, <laughs> this valley. <laughs> if it has an echo, you know that it's true. In the beginning. So you go off on a little tangent, though. I will say that I never understood the idea that BC meant before Christ, when they've established that Christ, Christ in air quotes, was born in before AD. So. Well, anyways, tangent over. They don't. Know, they don't know dates back then. You know, it's not like he got a birth certificate or anything. <laughs> He's got it. They've got a. They found a social security ID. Uh, well, chisel- yeah, they they had that. Sure, yeah, but chiseled uh, chiseled into a tablet. So also um, the execution order, which uh, the Romans uh, executed for crimes against humanity. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the uh, the first Sumerian ruler of the historical era was Itana. Uh, the king of Kish, 
uh, which described in a document written centuries later as the man who stabilized all the lands. Um, an early dynastic, I probably said that wrong, uh, period of Sumer covers the part of third millennium from 2800 to 2400 BC and ends with the conquest of Sumer by a Semitic king of the north, Sargon Avakad. Avakad. Sargon, take me away. Triumph of the Semites. We don't speak Sumerian. They sound like Nazis. Let's, <laughs> let's erase all memory of them. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting here, and I won't go through the whole, um, you know, it's almost like the baguettes, right? The kingship changeovers uh, over the years. But I think it's really interesting that in all these ruling, um, it talks about, so this person ruled for 43,200 years. The next one ruled for 28,800 years, then 36,000 years, then 108,000 years. So it's it's always, you know, I've always thought it interesting, especially in the Bible where it talks about, you know, people living for hundreds or thousands of years if, you know, they thought about time differently or you know, just how all that works together. A day to God is a thousand years, and a thousand years to us is just a day to God. I'm not as old as Methuselah, but I'm getting there. <laughs> as my dad would say, Methuselah's a geezer. <laughs> yeah, he was a geezer, all right. <laughs> um, that may have something to do with the lack of a zero in... Uh, uh, primordial times so that and also I, I can't say this about Sumerian which was not a Semitic language but in Semitic languages there tend to be uh, symbolic meanings to numbers for example uh, King David was said to have ruled for 40 years and Solomon his son conveniently enough is said to rule for 40 years but a better understanding of that is for a long time that's the way you say for a long time i believe some of the uh, current problems we're having with the uh, ukrainians uh, actually problems with the russians but uh, in some cultures and this is certainly not true in american culture instead of a literal interpretation of what you're trying to convey, you do a, kind of a, a, an exaggerated version because that's simply the way you learn to talk. The only thing I know of in America that does that is fishing. <laughs> Got it? Yes. Yeah. So, and speaking of fishing, um, you know, let, let's assume that those dates do mean a very, very long time. That suggests to me that maybe these were truly extraordinary people. And I don't know how many uh, imaginary zeros you have to put on something to convey. These were extraordinary beings who lived long. Right. Very long, longer, much longer than we do. You know, you get to the biblical, there were giants in those days. Well, we use the word giant. There's a giant sale down at Walmart. 
Right. Okay. That doesn't mean that the giants are being employed at Walmart. Uh, far from it. But uh, <laughs> it, it means that it's a big sale. Right. So the equivalent terms uh, may mean something like they're tall. And if you look at uh, uh, as far back as the times that we're speaking about, tall would have been five foot ten. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it may be that these were very long lived beings who also had certain abilities or powers and that they were, how to put this, they were not the same sort of being as the people who lived there, whether they were the group of people that you suggested, which is possible, or the people who came from the East. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It's late and it's very late, but uh, it comes from uh, a Babylonian priest named Barosus. You've probably heard the quote before, um, but you're gonna hear it again. Okay. This is uh, Eusebius's uh, version. Uh, in the very first year, there appeared from the Red Sea, that's usually translated Erythinian Sea, uh, in an area bordering on Babylonia, a frightening monster named Oannes. It's sort of uh, a cognate of the name John. It had the whole body of a fish, but underneath and attached to the head of the fish, there was another head, human, and joined to the tail of the fish. Feet like those of a man, and it had a human voice. Its form had been preserved in sculpture to this day. That's Eusebius's day, not ours. Mm -hmm. Barossa says that this monster spent its days with men, never eating anything, but teaching men the skills necessary for writing and for doing mathematics and for all sorts of knowledge, how to build cities, found temples and make laws. It taught men how to determine borders and divide land, also how to plant seeds and then to harvest their fruits and vegetables. In short, it taught men all those things conducive to a settled and civilized life. At the end of the day, this monster, Juanus, went back to the sea and spent the night. It was amphibious, able to live on land and in the sea. Later, other monsters similar to Oannes, appeared, about whom Barossus gave more information in his writings on the kings. On the kings. We're talking mm. about in early Sumer. Barossus says about Oannes that it had written as follows about the creation and government of the world and had given these explanations to men. So the... What what you kind of talked about there is also called the Apkulu, A P K A L L U, um, and also called the Seven Sumerian Sages. And so throughout, there's a there's a list that exists called like the list of kings or kings list that basically tells all the different kings over the years and the changing of hands uh, for Sumerian rule and. For each king, there is a paired sage, and each in each paired sage is thought to be one of these seven Sumerian sages, um, and they're described as being 
fish people for lack of a better term having you know heads and bodies of fishes but also of men yep that's it gives you an indication that at least the advisors to these long-lived royal uh, personages were in fact beings from let's just say otherwere yeah um that they were amphibious beings that were uh, able to stay out of water or equivalent of water for only limited periods of time. And we don't know at what point they ceased to be actually these amphibious beings and became a priesthood which today still manifests in uh, the regalia of uh, bishops and other prelates of the uh, uh, Roman Catholic Church, uh, because you see the fish head mitre, which is clearly a fish head if you look at it twice, and if you look at it in terms of the uh, uh, illustrations, if you can call them that, of of ancient Sumer, then Akkad, then Babylonia, then Assyria, then back to Babylonia. Um, you'll find that uh, that they're wearing uh, fish outfits that are very similar to Episcopal regalia even mm-hmm. today. So th- there's a continuity there. Uh, what it means may be seen in terms of oh, conventional material history, or it may be something more in line with what uh, Zacharias Sitchin and others yeah. have said. So uh, to take that and go backwards a little bit uh, in talking about folks, but there's, um, I think a lot of people think that the seven sages of Samaria um, were created or at least sent uh, by Inki and uh, in, in the in Lil, which are kind of the, the two, not the highest, uh, rulers of the Anunnaki, but like the l- next level down. So if you want to think of uh, in Norse mythology, you know, you have Odin, and then you got, you know, below Odin, you got some demigods. That's where the Inki and Enlil would fit into the story. Um, but they are kind of treated as like the central characters in a lot of the uh, myths and legends of the Anunnaki. Well, even now, there's a lot of Gnosticism that talk about that as well, right? Talking about that those two are the actual gods of one of the Old Testament, one of the New. Uh, we're actually Enki and Enlil. There is a Gnostic uh, document that was found at Nag Hammadi called the... Uh, the truth of the archons i'm translating that loosely and it goes into the tales that these watchers are in in fact uh beings far beyond human who uh watch and perhaps manipulate history and that was that that dates from circa 300 ce uh and uh i mean we don't know because they Mm -hmm. were suppressed and are fortunate that they survived. Um, I think that the the notion that there that the Anunnaki come, uh, um, Oannes, 
whatever you want to call them. And even if you get down to it, the, uh, the nomo that, uh, is yep. believed in by, uh, uh, several African tribal groups, or they were up until 20 years ago when, uh, when the, uh, 10 years ago, even when the, uh, Islamic state uh, came into, um, Timbuktu and burned a lot of records that go back, uh, at least a thousand years. Uh, so I don't know what the local belief system is still intact, but the, uh, Bambera tribe and the, uh, the Dogon people. The Dogon, another tribe related vaguely. And then the, there's a third group that uh, basically say the same thing. Now, whether they had original uh, material evidence or as Robert Temple suggested, uh, perhaps uh, the Garamatian Greeks uh, who were not that far away in North Africa may have had contact with them and delivered a story that was that dates from at least from Sumer uh, through again through Babylon which at one and Assyria which had its day in Egypt and then in turn uh, that influence uh, the the Greco-Roman North Africa um, way way down in into comparatively recent history. Also, let me say one thing about the timeline that you mentioned. If there is any truth in the notion that these kings were enthroned as long as the records say, and after all, that's the only record we have. You can dispute it. You can say it's court propaganda or it's exaggeration. Um, Or you can say maybe there's if not literally true, that we're talking about very long-lived beings. If you look at the king's list, it doesn't begin 4,000 years ago. No. It begins 10,000 years ago or more, back to the, uh, to the, at least the end of the Ice Age, which is, you know, part of my favorite notion about these things, which is that whether of non-conventional uh, origin or not, there was a worldwide uh, seafaring civilization that mapped the entire planet and that influenced future civilizations. I don't think Atlantis is a real place or Lemuria is a real place, but I think that the, the legends have something to do with this world civilization and the maps in distorted form still exist, some of them. Yeah. Um, they, they probably, when the, uh, the Turks uh, took over Constantinople. They inherited the Great Library of Constantinople, which was almost as old as the Great Library of Alexandria, although it said that it was not in one location. It was uh, several. And as recently as uh, World War One, when uh, Turkey was going through the transition from uh, the uh, from the Ottoman Empire to uh, to modern Turkey, uh, a supposedly secular state, although I would argue that it no longer is. Um, The um, uh, a Western observer who was there during the uh, 
transition period where there was a lot of rioting in the streets of what was still Constantinople for a year or so, because you can't get back to Constantinople. No, you can't get back to Constantinople. Uh, so I'm, I'm annoying you. I, I can see it. <laughs> now, Istanbul is Constantinople. Constantinople. He was in a crowd and a guy, uh, a local person who was looting, banged into him and in his hand, the man saw, because he was a, a scholar, he saw a copy of a book that he recognized from uh, ancient times. I believe it was in Latin, so it probably is, you know, from the from the period of the Byzantine Eastern Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it was one of those books that is known from other references, just like Barossus is only known from other references. He none of his works have survived only fragments that are quoted elsewhere in works that have survived so in this particular case it was a book that was thought to have disappeared in great antiquity that in circa what 1918 1919 somewhere in that period the book still existed and was in the hands of a looter and he said then the crowd closed in the man pivoted and that's the last he saw of it and of the book there are probably uh, thousands of texts like that in somebody's attic and uh, that that sort of thing happens has happened all the way into modern times so there's no reason to doubt the story well and you know not to get too far off the track but you know how many of those things were uh, you know uh, taken during World War II and are stored away in some bunker somewhere that nobody's found yet. So, Well, they're, they're finding a lot of stuff now. Um, there are some files. Uh, the uh, For whatever reasons, the Nazis suppressed uh, the Freemasons and took over their buildings and material culture, including written materials. And they were stored away, and apparently that has been found, and they're being sorted through now. Now, I don't know if they're just going to wind up in the, the legendary basement of the Smithsonian or whether they will be uh, available to scholars. Um, it's, it's hard to say because the Dead Sea Scrolls for a long, long time were restricted to a little group of uh, mostly uh, – monastic scholars who would dole out information at their leisure Mm. and then uh, uh, one of the scholars uh, who was not part of their uh, group um, put them on the internet all of the Dead Sea Scrolls in facsimile and then it was it became much more available to scholars all over the world. Yeah. One would hope that would be true. Yeah. But the the reality is you may also, it may wind up in a group of people, not necessarily monastic scholars, but some group with a, with a particular axe to grind who simply don't want uh, all of this material to be out there, uh, whether it's a Masonic group that claims it or something else, I don't know. So uh, it's possible either way, but I mean, they are 
masonry is inherently ipso facto secretive by its nature and i don't think there's anything sinister about that i think that that's just the way that freemasonry is but the point is it's their stuff and if if it winds up back in the hands of the uh, many reborn uh, uh, Masonic lodges, they might not be so forthcoming with material mm-hmm. that may have be, for example, ritual regalia or, or uh, ritual materials that uh, date back uh, how far? Um, a long, long time ago. Yeah. Founding father's time, probably. So, um, Older than Methuselah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I did want to take a real quick kind of sidestep and talk a little bit about some translation stuff that, so Stefan and I watched uh, a program on the Gaia network um, a little ways back. It's called Ancient Civilizations. And one of the things that they talk about in there is that the possibility that um, uh, humans, that the that there's an erroneous translation between uh, things like uh, Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and that Adam actually means animal, and the Garden of Eden is more like pen, and so it was more like that that humans were treated as it is almost like livestock or whatever, and kept in a pen. And then you have the serpent, which is maybe Enlil, that came along and decided to uh, free the animals from the pen and teach them how to read and write and farm and all this kind of stuff. And then Inky was the was the guy. So. The, the bad guy, the... I can see me. It's a miracle. Okay. <laughs> so I now I have, have the, the real screen. screen. You're coming in. old guy sitting in a chair. Yeah. We're coming in Handsome twice there though. for a second. Handsome guy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so rude. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, so you you know, talking, circling back on the Nomo, uh, some of the, again, descriptions of the Nomo are that they were uh, masters of water, uh, the monitors, and even the teachers, um, and that they came kind of from the sea to teach the tribes how to do certain things, and then each day they would return back to the sea, that they couldn't stay on land or whatever for, you know, during... Um, and then I wanted to make two two corollaries that I thought of. Uh, one, the men in black uh, kind of descriptions of, you know, needing a glass of water uh, to take a pill that they would turn red. But as soon as they drank their water, they would kind of turn back to normal pinkish hue. Um, and then number two is the, you know, the, the possibility of whether or not the, the seven sages of Samaria uh, are also potentially the secret chiefs, um, you know, as discussed in uh, Thelma and, and by Aleister Crowley, and, and that maybe even one of, you know, the 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 entity that gave Aleister his, you know, the writing. I I was I'm probably going to pronounce that wrong. I was that that he is actually one of, or sorry, he or she is actually one of the seven sages of Samaria. The number that you of sages varies from culture to culture. In India, it's the nine unknown. And uh, the uh, the uh, medieval Jewish term is Lamed Vavniks, uh, which is uh, 35, 
35 sages or something. Some of the different areas kind of differ on the number of sages, but, and I don't know that the seven, you know, I don't want to necessarily get bogged down in the actual number. Seven has been considered a lucky number from great antiquity. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the idea that maybe there is some correlation, you know, kind of like today, even uh, one region will call something uh, a swamp ape and another region calls it a Sasquatch and another region calls it a Bigfoot, but it's all probably the same thing. Is this a similar situation where you've got, you know, the, the Nomo and um, the Apkala and potentially even the secret chiefs are, are really all the same unit of individuals, if you will, um, that are representing and, and kind of guiding humans throughout history. Yeah, I, I think that that is probably true. The reality of the, the secret chief is something that I've uh, uh, given credence to for very good reasons for a very long time. Uh, but there is no reason to think that they are a different group of beings, that is, discarnate beings that aid humanity, that uh, they are not the same thing as uh, the ascended masters of theosophy, the uh, uh, seven sages, the Lamedvabniks, the bodhisattvas of of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. no reason to think that they're different. whether they're the same beings that were around in antiquity or whether they are outside of time, which is very possible. Um, that I don't know, yeah. but I, I, I think they are all the same thing. Well, I'm glad we agree. <laughs> Wait, the secret chiefs are they use Morse. Okay. With me anyway. <laughs> They're saying he's right, Alan. Shut the fuck up. Um so real quick I want to take just a quick step back and talk about uh, I just got one more thing to talk about and that is the origin of the Anunnaki. And I think this is probably going to be uh, the sword you die on, Alan. But um, <laughs> the but, good topic uh, of debate. The, the big topic of debate. So I think that a lot of things point to, or a lot of theories point to the extraterrestrial uh, hypothesis, right? That either they came from another civilization far, far away, they came from Nibiru, which is supposedly this planet that orbits around and caused two planets to break up and one of those planets became the earth and then they inhabited the earth and so on and so forth but the the standing hypothesis is is that they come from somewhere else not on earth and i think that um my opinion and i i suspect uh, similar in the in the room so to speak is that they're they've always been here they predate humanity um and they're just helping us not kill each other so that we don't inadvertently kill them Hmm. Well, I'm very influenced by Velikovsky. And one of the first things that you need to know is that 
the event that took place that eliminated the dinosaurs was neither the first nor perhaps the last uh, intrusion of a very large unidentified object uh, banging into the earth. And it is Velikovsky's uh, hypothesis. I, w I wouldn't just call it an opinion. It, it, he has a great deal to back it up. That a planet, he said the comet Venus and provided certain evidence of that. But let, let's not, you know, be caught in, again, the weeds of what, what uh, he said specifically because he was looking at phenomena taking place on the earth and making a, an educated guess as to uh, what was causing the phenomena. If you simply take the fact that a planetary body had a close brush with earth, it caused major uh, changes in the earth, tectonic changes, volcanoes, uh, uh, rivers running with blood, et cetera, et cetera. And that uh, is, was the case in ancient times. These were attributed to the gods, but, uh, the trauma involved created a sort of PTSD among the population of Earth, as, uh, as he uh, detailed in uh, uh, Earth and Amnesia, I think was the name of it, um, that essentially it was forgotten and then the events were accounted for in uh, more, shall we say, celestial terms. But nowhere does Velikovsky say that this planetary body was an inhabited body. I think based on current research on, let's not go to Nibiru, let's call it planet X. There is a really organized search in quote, legitimate uh, astronomical circles for planet X. Reason being there has, there is a, a perturbation, is that the right term, of uh, the orbits of the existing known planetary bodies that is unaccounted for, unless there is a planet beyond what used to be a planet until they decided to say otherwise, Pluto, mm -hmm. uh, and that that is planet X, the ninth actual planet, although there is a, a move of which I am a part Same. to get Pluto returned to its proper status as a planetary body so that uh, Dr. Tombaugh can rest in peace. Agreed. Right? Yep. But um, the point is, if this is a planetary body, it's not necessarily inhabited, but when it passes close to the Earth, among other places, it creates a, a warping in the uh, space-time continuum. And what happens, I think, is that a door opens and something comes through. In other words, uh, that's my uh, use of M-theory or the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, mm. saying that these worlds exist. Ordinarily, they don't uh, touch one another, but if you have a... Uh, 
a strange uh, electromagnetic effect or gravitational effect or whatever, sometimes doors open and sometimes something comes out. And I think that what uh, the, the uh, Sumerians were referring to as Nibiru, which apparently uh, for them was a star, a fixed star, although that's there is there is reason to doubt that um it is likely that what they are referring to mythologized is uh, a, a breakthrough from another dimension by beings that uh, were far more advanced than any uh, uh, earthly civilization and that uh, became the tutelary uh, beings of uh, Sumerian culture and perhaps other ancient cultures too, many of which have uh, legends of tutelary beings, sometimes referred to as gods, but uh, also referred to as sages, teachers, whatever. And that's it. My, my feeling is that a little hybrid Velikovsky and a little hybrid Sitchin by way of the Sumerians is there is a planet that once in a while approaches the earth and fortunately we are fortunate that it doesn't hit us so far but that uh, that warps the space-time continuum and shit happens as well, then, the, the astronomers say yeah and then there's that theory the that term. there is a planet that exists exactly at our opposite so much so that we can't see it because it's in always in direct line with the sun uh, as it sits completely on the other side as well as the asteroid belt being uh, a planet that once collided here with us and created uh, certain things as well and perhaps took the atmosphere of mars yeah yep yep or maybe mars was once a moon of that bigger planet right that yeah i've heard that as well that mars was possibly a moon of that planet that's a big moon it's no moon <laughs> no moon at all Sorry. up above even firefly <laughs> So, um, I mean, I think that that uh, for me covers, I mean, like I said, I had lots of research, but I mean, we hit all the really high points on uh, the Anunnaki, you know, kind of the origin story, the uh, the Sumerians and the sages and all that kind of jazz. And I, I really, you know, um, yeah. So uh, any anything else that uh, Stefan that you wanted to add or, or Alan that uh, you, we didn't touch on that you wanted to I mean, there's on. just all. I mean, there's just so much to talk about with yeah. the Anunnaki, especially you get into occult stuff. You get into um, ETH and things like that. We don't even get into the reptilian conspiracy theory, yeah. or, you know, yeah. any of that goodness. Um, or like I had said, like it, uh, they had touched on um, that Gnostic view of of Enki and Enlil being brothers, and and. One was the ancient god of the Old Testament, who was fire and brimstone and kind of a bad guy, so to speak, whereas the the New Testament god was more, you know, um, Jesus was a representation of that, that was more of the kinder version 
um, and that that even if you go back to the creation myth, that it was possible that uh, was the one because women were the ones that stayed back, right? They stayed back. They they were the educated ones. Um, they were the ones that taught the children how to read and how to do everything. The men simply hunted, and if they were slaves for the Anunnaki, like a lot of people believe, um, you know, there's a, there's a big belief that one of these reptilian Anunnaki gods is the one that showed eve one of the women because she was the intelligent one that's why he went to her how to escape the wrath of god which would have been i think it was enki was the the wrath of god one you know and then leo was the one that was like hey here's how i can teach you how to uh, rise up against them uh against this and stop being slaves uh so to speak and that over time you know got translated into what we now know as the jewish and uh creation myth right so interesting I, I i love digging into this and just like you said that we haven't even reached a hundred years of learning about samaria uh, what are we going to learn more when we find yeah. probably a lot is undiscovered i mean it, the way archaeology works is very uh, proper archaeology is very slow and uh, very thorough and it's very frustrating for people getting on in years like me because I don't care what's happening in 2050 I will be somebody else at that point <laughs> but uh, be that as it may be that as it may you can expect new discoveries anytime yeah. and it may change everything just like the James Webb telescope peering backwards through time at the almost beginning of the universe, I comfortably predict, and I'm not alone in this, that will change everything in terms of cosmology and perhaps even in terms of spiritual beliefs. That said, I want to I'm not going to comment too much on the Gnostic materials because that's a whole, you want to do an episode on that altogether, like three hours, I'll be glad to do it. And how come those guys in Kentucky never have me on their podcast? But um, here you go. I want to defend the Hebrew scriptures a little bit. If they seem like the uh, the image of the divinity is uh, hostile and intolerant, put it in the context of the of the times that these uh, scriptures were written. First of all, they were influenced by the Babylonians who were influenced by the Sumerians. And the picture that they paint is relatively violent for a time that was extremely violent. Yeah. Um, So they reflect the times at which they were written. And the notion that you can project talk about the deity is about the deity and not about the people who are trying to talk about it. 
uh, is probably a bad a bad move. Um, I think that it's true for its time and read in that context as profitable as reading the Iliad or the Odyssey, which is what I would compare it to. Um, The other thing, the reptilian thing, it has been pointed out that there are a lot of anti-Semitic tropes used in talking about these supposed hidden ripped reptilians. And uh, what can I say? I mean, I'm not going to defend that because I don't believe that that's true. The germ of truth is we all have a reptile brain as part of our complex brain structure. So if you want to give uh, credence to that, you could say we're all reptilians. We're just dinosaurs evolved. (laughs) Well, we have several other brains that have evolved beyond that. But I mean, it's, uh, I'm not an expert on brain uh, physiology, but it's uh, the part that regulates the uh, autonomic functions like heartbeat. Lose that and you lose heartbeat. But it also may be uh, the source of things like paranoia. And I mean, I don't want to go too deeply into yeah. that, but it, but we're all reptilians at our core. Yep. Us yeah. and Dracula. Us the, and queen, Dracula. In, the Queen of England is not a reptile. You shut up. She is too. <laughs> she, Charles is a direct bloodline to Dracula. Uh, yeah, well, that that may be true for Charles, but Pip Pip Cheerio, he looks like they all look. <laughs> inbreds, they're in, all inbred. inbred with a pair of sails on his head. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so that's I think all that we have for this episode of of for on on the Anunnaki. But like you said, we could certainly come back together and sometime in the future and do a part two or dive deeper into one particular part of the Anunnaki as well. Or hell anything. Alan, we, we, we always appreciate yeah. you joining us, man. It is always informational and fun at the same time. Can, yeah. can I throw out one more notion? Please. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned in passing the magical implications of the Anunnaki. If the theory that I presented about uh, the planetary body uh, disrupting the space-time continuum is correct, then what we do in magical workings that open portals to other uh, brains, BRA and ES, dimensions if I don't like to use that term because it's too rooted in new agey crap. Mm-hmm. That's new agey crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, the process may be to, and th- this could be investigated. It, it could be to open one of those windows 
in the same manner that a planetary body does, but not on a world scale, but but just in the in the presence of these objects. Thus, when you go back to the so-called Babylon work, that's why I was coming by uh, the Arthur. infamous uh, Lafayette, Ron Ron Hubbard, <laughs> and uh, Jack Parson. Yep. Uh, it has been said they opened a door and something came through. So we may be doing the same thing and they never closed their portal. Yeah. I know somebody who's planning to. So do we. So do we. Those UFOs while they're still here. <laughs> yep. As do we. Uh, and yeah, who knows? I, and it's, it's funny you brought that up because I was I was going to bring up the exact same thing. So very thinking the same way so. but the secret chiefs told you close the program out before he says all this <laughs> <laughs> don't share secrets they secrets <laughs> no that's that's william what's his name don't share secrets with the profane so um yeah just again to wrap up appreciate the additional insight i mean i, I think it's it makes sense that we're basically doing localized versions of what that planetary mass is doing on the yep. broader scale. Um, Alan, I think you've got a new, at least one new book out since we last spoke to you and maybe another one coming. Do you want to tell anybody about that stuff? Of course. <laughs> First of all, the complete secret cipher of the Euphonauts is having its third incarnation. Woo! And buy it because it's seminal. Speaking of semen, <laughs> how's that for a transition? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, the Grail Within is undergoing some revisions. And even people that have an edition might want to get the new edition with the introduction by Stephanie Quick. And a lot of stuff about my personal sexual magic experiences and those of several others. You have to get a copy or you will never understand sexual magic. <laughs> Not even if you're a ninth degree in the O, what an order. Mike? <laughs> there are also several other books in the uh, immediate uh, future, I am told by my, by my publisher, Olaf, and uh, they should be out soon. Well, so fantastic. tune into the Celestial Lodge of Sirius. I almost said syphilis. Well, similar. <laughs> well, I've, I've got semen on the brain. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You should probably clean that off. Uh, yeah. but, uh, it's yeah, only on the lizard brain, though. We, we are big proponents of getting your books. We always do as soon as we see a new one. So uh, if you're listening out there, absolutely grab these if you want some good insight uh, into everything worth it like he says <laughs> yeah do as no. he does and as he says who lordy thank you alan greenfield oh man i've gone out and i've bought so many hawaiian shirts now 
because of Alan Greenfield. Well, after today's episode, it makes me want some Anu gnocchi soup. Get out of here. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Don't you mess up my, my chicken and gnocchi soup, man. That's the best <laughs> thing at Olive Garden. I'm just letting you guys know. <laughs> my, uh, um, but no, I love you, Alan Greenfield. Guys, go buy his books. Olav is printing books left and right. You can find yep. them on Amazon, um, but also go to tallengreenfield.com. Uh, that's his main website there to check out all his stuff. Um, we love you, Alan. Man. Yeah. I'm telling you. So many, so many more books in the works. I can't um, wait, dude. Like, my, yeah. my Alan Greenfield collection is, like, ridiculous now. So I know some weird shit now that I didn't know before. Thank you, Alan Greenfield. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just just for the new stuff that's coming with the you know with the new edition of uh, Euphonauts makes me want to pick up another. Oh, copy I know. Of that. Like I'm like I'm about to get another copy because yeah, I want to know what it is too. And even um, been listening to Penny Royal. I think there's two or three episodes out now, for season two, which man, it's really really good. And it's weird synchronicities how it's hitting some of the things that we've been talking about, um, which I've already hit Nathan up. Been like, dude, this is already hitting some of the things we talking about. Um, but he brought up Greenfield as well again, and so like just some different stuff, man. I just yeah. love the synchronicities as well as uh, a friend of ours. Um, sending us an article on the Anunnaki without even knowing that this without episode was coming out. Yeah. Like, right. just thought we would find it interesting. So, yep. I love synchronicities. I love when you guys are our audience, our blanket huggers. When you guys are on that synchronicity train with us as well, uh, absolutely love it. In the, we're in the party train. We we are. We're in the party train. Uh, JD's in the caboose where he is going yeah. to be locked up for the duration of the trip so. in his trunk. In his, tr- in his trunk, trunk of dreams. Um, but Josh, before we get out of here, I uh, want to get to the final segment of the evening, uh, which of course is our encounters from the Fearscape. Encounters from the Fearscape. All right. So this week I have a story here, uh, a, a cryptid sighting. We actually have a cryptid sighting, a story. We haven't had one of those in quite a while. Um, I think, man, you know what? I think maybe one of the last, do you remember that story that that guy sent into us where he was like a uh, four wheeling in Oregon or Washington yeah. or something where like that? Where he thought like something was trying to choke him out or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I wish dude never re man. If you're listening, respond to our email. Cause I want the dude on our show. Cause that story's insane. Um, but anyways, I think that's the last time we had anything like that, yeah, like in the woods type yeah. thing. Um, but anyways, this one comes from a listener named Holly. Uh, from the Sunshine State, Florida. And here is Holly's story. So, uh, this was cited um, not in Florida, but actually in my hometown of Virginia Beach before I moved out of the country one night. I was heading home at like two in the morning and I turned onto my road to see what I thought was a man standing in the ditch but I instantly knew he wasn't an actual human he was tall and kneeling on the side of the ditch he had what looked like a trench coat and possibly a top hat and was in all black as my headlights shone on him he turned his head just enough to the side to see me but I couldn't see his face because there was no face I quickly continued by, but when I looked in the rearview mirror, he was gone. 
I felt like it was flying behind my car the length of the entire road home. I, I can't explain it. It's just something I felt. I rushed inside and felt like it was outside my window all night. No one has ever been able to explain to me what I saw. Ever. If you have any thoughts, let me know. I never saw it again after that. And I have spiritual gifts. I'm a practicing witch from a long line of women with gifts, and none of them can explain it. And I have no theories. I mean, the depiction to me, Josh, sounds like Mr. Hyde, the classic Mr. Hyde. But I feel like there is an urban legend um, that is a man in a cape and a top hat. Like, there's something... I can't, I can't place my finger on and JD's sleeping or I'd ask him. Well, you, I, I remember I've heard stories of um, thinking about how your, your brain processes, right? What you see and how sometimes your brain obscures things to protect them from you. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder if, if it had a face, but either a, it was familiar and the brain protected her from seeing a familiar face like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or or B, it was just so disfigured and hideous that again the brain protected her from seeing so from seeing that. Yeah. Oh um, that that there is. So I knew I had heard of this before, and he's called the hat man. So Holly, oh, if you're hat, listening, yeah. this is called the hat man, and the hat man fits, and I think we covered the hat man when we talked about shadow people. Um, I think we covered shadow people in a cryptid episode once. Um, and in that he is categorized alongside shadow people. Um, uh, what do you say? <laughs> Somebody said he may look nice in his jaunty cap, but there's nothing fedorable about this madman <laughs> in black. <laughs> um, but they ever, they usually say he's between six and 10 feet tall. Um, and this tends to have him crouch and hunch over. Um, other people believe that this is kind of where the story of the crooked man comes from uh, as well. Um, and the crooked man that was in Conjuring 2, um, they say, was actually a depiction of the hat man uh, as well. But yeah, the hat man goes back quite a ways. Um, I mean, here. kind of almost also kind of sounds like a man in black type. Yeah, I know. That's what I was kind of thinking of, too. And there's also stories that he appears, of course, right before somebody dies. So there's this theory that he's also a a reaper. Um, You know, there's some things like that. There's a German soldier that said that he responded by saying his name was Scratch, which, of course, implies the devil. It always implies the devil. Um, But, uh, of course, there's that interdimensional being. Um, You know, it also kind of reminds me of that the ink people or whatever that one was we covered that one time as well, where they're two dimensional. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, we. Yeah, that was uh, the stick people. Yeah, the stick people. This because I and we. Well, I think we talked about that on Astral Stew because or maybe not because we were talking about how uh, they talk about that in the art of dreaming. Art of dreaming. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Josh, that you say that because another theory, the last one I'm going to talk about here, which I didn't even, I just quickly typed in creature, black cape, black hat, and the hat man came up. But the one of the theories here says that. Um, uh, the hat man is an astral projection and someone traveling outside of their body um, can be terrorized 
by the hat man while astral traveling um that uh it's a possibility that either a this is his astral body you know mm-hmm. going after other astral travelers or or what i don't know so i remember where, where all this came up from before it's when we were talking about slender man oh yeah because some of the older versions yep. of slender man absolutely In- influences absolutely. things yep. yeah very very cool well holly i didn't expect a big long discussion like that but thank you um so if you're interesting uh, quick google search had me find hat man so i think what you saw was a hat man uh so if you want to do some more research like that uh, what i pulled up here uh, was an article talking about uh, an episode of a podcast called uh guide to the unknown and this is episode 39 where they spend the entire episode talking about the hat man so there may be some more info there for you uh lesser known sound garden song i think because like <laughs> hat man covers your head when it's hot um anyways <laughs> uh but anyways we got to get out of here you guys uh, again thank you so much to alan greenfield um mentor friend hero of the paranormal <laughs> we love you brother almost an advocate you would say i would 100 um while randomly being very skeptical i love people don't yeah. realize that about alan because everybody just thinks he's like paranormal but he's actually one of the most skeptical dudes i know and so when he believes something i'm a little more apt to believe it myself because i know he has i know he's he's done some some work on it yep that's so, all i got to say oh, about man. that that's all wow. I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. Well, we're going to get out of here. Like I said, uh, we got a fun show next week. Uh, got a really, really cool guest. I'm not going to spoil it, um, but it's going to be, we've been talking. I'm just going to give you the words crypto terrestrial. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm just going to say, uh, uh, throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but it's going to be a great episode. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, remember to go to fearscapepodcast.com. Uh, you can submit your site, your encounters for the Fearscape there uh, on the submit a sighting or fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or just hit us up on social media. Make sure you guys check out Tech Talk. We just dropped our second episode of Tech Talk for the debrief. Uh, we're talking about the psionics. You guys have heard us talk about the psionics 100 million times on the show because that's where Josh was talking about the things that we've caught on camera a lot of it's been on the psionics um some yep. amazing stuff that we've posted on our fearscape pages that josh has put any video that looks like night vision that's from the psionics the aurora pro yep. uh, so we had an opportunity to uh review that and talk about flight rate flight what is it flight flight radar 24 24 i kind of wanted to say flight tracker um but flight radar 24 we got to talk about that but you can go to the debrief.org check that out or just go to the youtube dot coms <laughs> just this is going to the youtubes the youtubes i'm talking like jd now um and just type in the debrief uh and tech talk and you'll be able to find both of our episodes there make sure to like subscribe and all of that stuff uh, not only to our stuff but to the debrief as well yeah. uh we love those guys at the debrief and uh they, they are big advocates of the things that we do so we wanted to give them a quick shout out but josh let's get out of here man uh, let's skedaddle i already miss you and i'm i'm gonna be seeing you soon so yep all right uh but thank you guys so much for tuning in to fearscape paranormal here on the fearscape media network make sure to check out fearscapemedia.com for all of those other wonderful podcasts uh especially mysteries of the dark because that's my other show and i love it um but let's go ahead and get out of here uh my name is stefan and uh just a reminder everybody keep your eyes to the skies and this has been josh the truth is now and remember folks hold those blankets extra tight i'm holding my blanket
get extra tight while I'm getting snoozy. Because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.